Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Happy New Year, folks, and welcome to the first WrestleRant Radio of 2023 for January 5th, 2023. I am Graham Giusa Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well and having a great New Year so far. And I want to thank you guys up front for voting in the 2022 Year in Review Awards for WWE, AEW, over on WrestleRant.com throughout the month of December. Last week here on the show, our final show of 2022. We reveal the results, we review the results, and just a lot of great conversation breaking down the best and the worst of both companies in 2022. So, go back and check it out from last week. Great time with myself and Mr. Marceau, who unfortunately will not be joining me here today for the first episode of the new year. Uh, Just a scheduling conflict, we couldn't do the show on our usual time slot on Thursdays. But I'm almost kind of glad that we didn't have a chance to record earlier on on Thursday. Of course, I miss Mr. Marceau, we'll have him back next week, but... Usually we record earlier on on Thursdays. I have the show out by later on on Thursday, Thursday night, whatever. Because I waited to record, um, the news broke. I have a chance to discuss the news that broke mere hours ago from when I'm talking right now about Vince McMahon potentially plotting a return to WWE. Not even potentially, outright is. Um, As first reported by the Wall Street Business Journal. Now, I know we touched upon this about a month ago here on the show when the... Rumors were first going around via the Wall Street Business Journal about Vince maybe coming back to the company in some sort of role, in some form or fashion. And now we know why, and now we know how, and Vince himself has put out a statement discussing it. So this is not hearsay, this is not rumors, this is not dirt cheat BS, this is straight up fact that Vince wants back in in WWE. And why that is, we'll discuss, we'll talk about it. After today's exclusive interview with Kevin Owens, the SmackDown Super, or Raw Superstar, rather, excuse me. They appear on both shows all the time, the superstars do, so it's kind of hard to keep track. But we had Kevin Owens on Bleach Report for an exclusive interview about a week ago on the last Friday of 2022, helping me break down the tag team match on SmackDown that week himself and John Cena, uh, facing and then later beating Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn in tag team action. We talked to Kevin about his great 2022 Facing Stone Cold Steve Austin, thoughts on John Cena, um, his mindset now compared to what it was the last time we spoke to Kevin Owens two years ago. Great conversation. It's available right now in video form over on my YouTube channel. Went live that same day that the article went live on Bleacher Report. So if you want the full video of the interview, you can check it out right now on youtube.com backslash WrestleRan and the article of uh you know the article version of the interview as well over on Bleacher Report. So we're gonna talk to Kevin Owens in a moment. Come back on the other side of that, talking about Vince McMahon, the Money in the Bank news, Raw, Wrestle Kingdom Dynamite, and everything else in between. You can check on new episodes of WrestleRant Radio every single Thursday on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, uh, Podbean, Amazon Music, and Pandora. You can rate the show, you can review the show, you can subscribe to the show. Never miss a new episode every single Thursday. 
So with that being said, let's throw it to my exclusive interview with WWE's own Kevin Owens, talking all things 2022 and beyond. What's going on, guys? Graham Jesus and Matthews here at BleachReport.com. Coming up on SmackDown, December 30th, Kevin Owens, John Cena taking on Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn tag team action. One of the biggest main events all year. We're getting it on the final SmackDown of the year. And ahead of them, we're talking to one of the men themselves in the matchup to close out SmackDown in 2022. Kevin Owens, what's going on, Kevin? What's going on, man? I appreciate your time. Hey, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How are you? Doing great, man. We got the holidays coming up. Like I said, I got the uh, Kevin Owens uh, holiday yeah, hat here. I see you ready, like, yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to go, but I'm looking forward to this match, dude. Uh, obviously, on Raw this past week, before we get into the match itself, one of the best parts of Raw from Monday, from when we were speaking right now, was you bringing up that you and Rollins used to team. We've seen this before last week, you and Ezekiel. Are you a WWE historian? I know you're a fan, but like incorporating these kind of like uh, fun facts, so to speak, is that a your idea? Is someone bringing this stuff up to you? Um. I'm a big fan of being logical. Yep. And uh, I've always tried to be logical in my uh, in my time in WWE, maybe more logical than most people try to be or choose to be or want to be, or maybe some people don't remember. But I do have quite the memory for, for things that happen in wrestling. I've always had, uh, you know, that kind of memory, and it's not just for me either. So uh, whenever I get the chance to, 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 to you know, uh, use that logic. It's always, uh, it's always nice. And, uh, I'm happy to do it. And, uh, I can see, you know, from the feedback I get that, uh, people enjoy that side. Cause you know, on WWE television, sometimes, uh, how <laughs> can I put this? It's not always the most logical people on there, sure. I don't know, you know? So when somebody, uh, seems to use common sense and logic, it's, it's like jarring, but yeah, yeah. I'll be that guy if, that, if I need to be sure. Have you noticed that? I feel like we've gotten, I mean, you've always done that though. This isn't exactly a new thing, whether it's on the show or on Twitter or whatever, you've always brought up stuff and have never ignored if something, if someone has wronged you in the past on the show, you will always bring it back. You will never ignore that history. Like with John Cena, for example, I'm sure that's going to be acknowledged going to the match coming up on SmackDown. But is that like, again, not a new thing on your front, but I feel like we've seen more of that since the change in leadership, that attention to detail, long-term storytelling. Have you felt the same way or has it always been that consistent? Um, yeah, you know, I can't say that it's always been like that. I, mm -hmm. I think that the, you know, the change in, uh, in direction kind of also came with a change of mentality and, uh, you know, it's, it's, everybody's got different ways of, of thinking about what we do. Um, and I think, uh, it used to kind of be like, oh, you know, th this is in the past. It doesn't matter going forward. And this is just, you know, people won't remember, but man, I'm, I'm, I've been a wrestling fan my whole life. And I remember I, I, when I would watch it, I'd remember, like, uh, I'll give you an example that I'll never get, like, the GD or GTV, you know, at first it was GDTV, <laughs> then it was GTV yeah. out of nowhere, but we never found out who was behind it. Yeah. Probably Goldust. Never knew the confirmation. <laughs> yeah. Why? Drove me crazy. As a fan, drove me nuts. It came and went like it never happened. Uh, you know what I mean? I don't think that's really uh, how things would go today. But at yeah. the time, you know, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just what it is. You know, people think differently about what we do. But I think wrestling fans have uh, tremendous memory for, 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 you know, what they watch and what they see. And uh, I think it's great to, to acknowledge that um, and, you know, just give people the credit they deserve when they're watching something. They're watching it and they'll remember, you know. Yeah, no, I agree, man. I mean, just looking back, you talk about memories and stuff like that. Looking at the year that you've had, I mean, starting the year on day one, January 1st, literally in that five-way match, 
for the WWE title, main event of that pay-per-view. Brock Lesnar was in that, in that match. You faced Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania 38 earlier this year. You close out the year facing Roman and Sammy, which is nothing new to you, but teaming with Cena is a first on TV for you. Just how do you think you would have reacted had you been told a year ago that you would have had all these career milestone moments, especially after the already illustrious career that you've had in WWE? You know, I started my year out um, not really expecting any of that for sure. Uh, you know, the match with Steve at WrestleMania is, uh, you know, I, it really doesn't get any higher than this, than that as, in terms of career moment. And then, like you say, closing out the year with, 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 with teaming with John Cena, it's kind of a, you know, full circle with the way I started my, my WWE career. And now, uh, you know, getting to do that with him as he, uh, you know, obviously – He's here less and less, and this is what the reason. One of the reasons he's coming is because he wants to make sure he has one match in this calendar year, so that his streak doesn't get broken. Broken because he's had a, a match every single year for the last twenty years. You know, at least one match. So, um, you know, it, it, it's uh, man, it's just so great to get to experience all that stuff. Um, and you know, I've been very lucky and fortunate to uh, be in the ring with. with people I looked up to, you know, as I was coming up and, uh, you know, 99% of them have been amazing and, 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 and it's been so great to be uh, around them and, and kind of uh, getting to see that the people I looked up to were, you know, as great as they seem to be on, on television. And, you know, John's at the top of that list, man, like from the moment I showed up, uh, you know, he, he was all about uh, trying to help me you know, be uh, the best performer I could be and, and as valuable to WWE as I could get. And uh, now to get the team with him, um, you know, as he's, like I said, his, his matches, let, let alone his, his appearances are few and far between, but his matches are more, you know, even more rare. Uh, it's it, it just, it's, it's just, I'm very, I'm, you know, I'm very grateful to get to do all that. Is your son Owen still as much of a Cena fan now as he was years ago? And if so, when did he find out about this match? So I, he found out a few weeks ago, he, he they're going to, you know, he, he's a, he likes wrestling, likes WWE, yep. but he's not, you know, he's not what I was at his age. That's sure. for sure. Uh, but he's always got a soft spot for John. You know, they, they, they met several years ago. John did something really special for him. And, you know, when Owen was younger, John Cena was his favorite wrestler. In fact, I gotta say he was, John Cena was pretty much the only guy that he watched in WWE you know, before I came to WWE, he didn't really care about anybody in WWE but John Cena. Wow. Uh, so anytime we go to the shows, he was really there just for John Cena. And then years later, they met. He saw me wrestle him. Um, and, you know, it was a cool moment to see them meet. And then uh, I want to say maybe two years ago, uh, I took Owen to a, a live event that John was there, mm -hmm. was, was here for. And, you know, they saw each other again. It was kind of funny because now uh, Owen was the same, same height as John, pretty much. Uh, and now he's coming, uh, you know, he's coming to Tampa to see him again. And now he's, uh, Owen's six foot five and he's taller than John, which is <laughs> crazy. really surreal to see. Yeah. But even though, yeah, even though he's turned into, you know, he's 15 years old now, he's turning into a, a man. Yeah. He's still, you know, John, John Cena is going to be there. Can we come? Like, yeah, yeah, you can, you can come. You know what I mean? So that's pretty cool. That's awesome, man. No, I'm looking forward to this match. There's so much history there, obviously, given your son as well. And it, it's such like a crazy, you talk about the year that you've had and compare it even to 
a year ago and there was so much speculation among fans. What's Kevin Owens going to do next? Where are you going to go next? Your contract's expiring. And then obviously you have this amazing year. You stick around. Are you in the same headspace now as you were a year ago as far as being content? Obviously, you always want more. I mean, I think everyone knows that from you. You always want to strive to be more, which is amazing. But just talk about where you are now compared to where you were a year ago uh, with everything. I mean, were you confident at that point that you were sticking around come like Christmas 2022 or come sorry Christmas 2021? Just talk about the difference between now and a year ago from today. Uh, yeah, by Christmas time last year, I knew I was sticking around. Mm-hmm. But before that, I really had no idea. Um, I didn't even know. Honestly, I didn't even know at that time if I was if I uh, if I still wanted to be uh, in the ring. Yeah. Uh, you know, not because I didn't enjoy being in the ring anymore, but uh, everything was kind of up in the air. And then, uh, you know, I, I, I made the decision to stay in WWE. And I'm certainly glad I made it because, like I said, just this year, I've experienced things that I couldn't have imagined, you know. Um, and I've been really lucky to, to, to get to be a part of all that. But also, as far as my, my mindset goes, it's definitely changed. Um, I used to always want more and I used to always want bigger and, 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 and worry about what's next and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And I really don't do that anymore. Not that I don't want more. Everybody would like more. Like, it's great to be a part. Of, but but I'm really more worried about just doing good stuff and stuff that people enjoy. And I'm also worried about uh, or thinking about just enjoying everything I can enjoy. Um, because, uh, man, like I, I've said in interviews in the past, I've missed out on enjoying moments I really should have enjoyed because I was mm-hmm. always worried about what's next. I'm not going to do that anymore. Um I've had an incredible career. I'm so lucky to have had uh, so many matches, so many moments that I've, you know, people would, people would, would you know, uh, give anything they could to, to have the moments I've had. And I've had a lot of those. So, uh, you know, I just want to enjoy everything I can from here on out for as long as I can. And, uh, you know, just make it good. So my mindset's definitely shifted, but I think this one's a lot healthier and, it's probably going to help me be a better performer as well, because, you know, when you're worrying about what's next all the time, you're not really looking what's in front of you right then and there. That's kind of counterproductive, but it took me a few years to get that perspective. And it took me talking to, you know, guys like, like Shawn Michaels and Steve Austin, when I was mm-hmm. going through that stuff, you know, asking for their advice and, and having the absolute, you know, best of the business. Like I've literally, I've been so blessed. Like I've, I've had access to Shawn Michaels, Steve Austin, Bret Hart, if I need advice, they're there. It's yeah. just incredible, you know? So, uh, yeah, it took, it took, uh, and you know, I just named those, but there's so many more like, uh, you know, like through the last eight years, just getting to work with, you know, anybody from dusty roads to, to triple H to, you know, uh, Trish Stratus to like, literally the list goes on and on and on of people yeah. that I looked up to. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I've had access to, uh, over the course of my career for the last eight years, um, you know, I really don't know how to put it, uh, except that I'm, I'm very thankful and very lucky. No, that's, that's amazing, man. It's great to hear that you're such in like in a, in a great place now and looking at the positive and stuff like that. And it comes at a perfect time. Like you said, with the match with Stone Cold, the WrestleMania and being able to enjoy that, <clears throat> excuse me, with the main event of mania that it, it wasn't just a match with Stone Cold. It was the main event of mania possibly his only match back in 20 years. Just incredible. Like talk about that. And when you found out about it and, and just going into it, like, was it when the match was over that you're thinking in your mind, when you're laying on the mat, this is, this is, this is it. Like, this is as as good as it's going to get. Like when you finally start to enjoy that moment, or was it like a gradual process for you? 
Ah, uh, man, I really got to enjoy the entire process. Like uh, Vince McMahon told me about the match, or he told me the plan, what the plan was at the Royal sure. Rumble. Um, you know, he sat me down in his office and told me what he was thinking, and I was. Um, it's really funny because a few weeks before that, somebody on the, the creative staff had told me, well, I can't tell you what the idea is, but uh, you're going to, you, you might be wrestling somebody that you really wouldn't expect. So then I immediately thought, okay, it's one of three people. It's either Cena, The Rock or Austin. Okay. Yeah. And in my head, I was like, the least likely one is Austin, but that's <laughs> the one I would, you know, love yeah. to the most because he was my top guy favorite yeah. you know and then it somehow turned out to be and then Vince confirmed that it, yeah it's, it's Steve I'm like oh man and we had no idea what was going to happen honestly we we just knew we're going to put you guys like all all that I knew leading up to it uh was uh you guys are going to be in the same ring and stuff's going to go down we'll see when we get there what happens exactly uh but then get it you know leading up to it getting to talk to, to, to everybody just I felt like it was to me, it felt like it was going to be something big and something mm -hmm. good. And it sure turned out to be the case. Yeah. And yeah, like I pretty much felt <laughs> like I did the podcast with Corey Graves a few days after. Mm -hmm. it was, I told, I said that on that podcast. I mean, it was all downhill from here, but I, <laughs> yeah, I mean I that in that. the best, yeah. I mean that in the best way possible. Like, how can you top that? You know? Yeah. I'm looking forward to the challenge of trying to top it. I'm, I'm not throwing out the towel just yet. I just, yeah. Gonna be hard to find something that tops that for sure. <laughs> well, like I said, you're ending the year on a high note. Going off of that, like you, like you said, you don't want to always look to what's next. Just enjoying the moment, living in the moment, stuff like that. Not as far as specific goals and opponents. I guess you can mention that as well. But 2023, like, is there anything you specifically want to accomplish? I'll be just continuing to enjoy what you're doing right now. Continue to do great work, which we're seeing right now. Maybe win the tag titles for the first time in WWE, taking it from the Usos, ending that reign. Anything at the top of your bucket list right now, man? You know, I really, uh, I really can't say that I have anything on the list that I, yep. you know, winning the tag titles or winning, you know, any title is great. Sure. It's always fun. I haven't had a title in a very long time. Uh, but, you know, I just, like I said, everything I've gotten to do, you know, it's very hard to turn around and go, man, but I really wish I had done that, you know, because I've done things that I would never imagine, let alone you know, main event WrestleMania with Stone Cold Steve Austin. It still doesn't sound like uh, that didn't happen. No, it did happen. It happened. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So I, it's hard for me to turn around and go, well, if only I could do this, then I'd be really happy. You know? Yeah. I mean? Yeah. No, it's crazy, man. Like who would have told you a year ago that you would be facing Stone Cold and Mania? So at that point, you just, it, it's hard to even make goals at that point. Just let life live itself out and you can just enjoy the moments, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've learned that lesson, uh, you know, through the last few years, but, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's just, um, why, you know, why worry about stuff you can't control anyway, you know, exactly. So do your best. That's all. Exactly, man. Especially yeah. right now during the holiday season, dude, we got this match coming up on SmackDown the day before new year's Eve. It's going to be you and Cena against Roman and Sammy tag team action on SmackDown. Looking forward to it, man. I appreciate the time. And also, I got to thank you. About a year and a half ago, my girlfriend and I had that uh, one of those cricket wireless meet and greets. You told us we asked you where to go for her lunch. You told us Olive Garden, New York City, and it was amazing. I, I forgot to say that. Right? So, yes, okay. it was amazing. Good. So your input's always <laughs> cool. well appreciated, dude. I appreciate the time. All right, man. 
Big thanks to KO for the time. He was terrific as always. You can check out that interview, like I said earlier, in article form over on Bleach Report from last Friday, and also in video form over on my channel, also from last Friday, over on youtube.com backslash WrestleRant. So let's get right into it. Vince McMahon plotting a return to WWE, per the Wall Street Business Journal. And like we talked about a couple of weeks ago here on the show, when the news first broke about a month ago that Vince wanted back into WWE, which wasn't overly surprising at the time, neither is this news that came out today. Uh, this is the same outlet that broke the news about Vince and the allegations surrounding Vince last summer. So that whole article from the Wall Street Business Journal last summer was what led to Vince McMahon leaving WWE. Now, he still owns... A lot of the stock shares, whatever, on the business end of things, he's still involved in a certain capacity. Beyond that, though, he's not the chairman. He's not in control of creative or anything. He has no real influence in WWE right now as far as the day-to-day -day operations go. He's still tied to the company due to how much stock and, and shares and stuff like that he owns. But beyond that, he has no real say in what WWE does, has done in the last six months. But he could going forward. So the article came out today as I'm speaking, on Thursday, January 5th. Uh, the latest article from the Wall Street Journal, and props to uh, WrestleZone for the uh, transcription here and kind of summing up the article, that Vince McMahon is attempting to return to WWE this year in order to sell the company. Now, this came from Lauren Thomas of the Wall Street Journal, and they talked about in the article basically that Vince wants to come back to the company in order to sell WWE in 2023. And the article went so far as to say that if he's not brought back, then he will not support or approve, in their words in this article, any media rights deal or sale. And this is imperative because coming up in 2023 via, you know, 2024 really, but it all happens this year, is when the negotiations begin. Does WWE stay with NBC Universal? Does SmackDown stay on Fox? They split the two deals. Do they all go back to NBC? Does like SmackDown go back to NBC Universal and USA and whatever? It's a very crucial year for WWE, and the Vince stuff going down when it did last year perfectly set up WWE to have that shit behind them, improve the product, and put themselves in a better spot to, you know, get more money, get the same amount of money, and they made a lot of money off those last TV right deals five years ago. And with the, you know, renewals coming up very soon, this shit coming out right now is fucking terrible timing. And we all kind of thought there might be a chance that Vince might raise hell and trying to prevent the company from basically moving forward without him. But you don't really expect that. I mean, he is an egomaniac, so he probably should have expected this, especially everything coming out about Vince in the last year, five years, ten years, whatever. So he probably should have expected this. You don't want to believe it, though, until you read shit like this. And like I said earlier at the start of the show, this is not like Wrestling Observe newsletter, hearsay, you know, rumors... Vince McMahon himself put out a fucking press release after this article came out on Thursday, confirming the news himself, basically saying that he wants back into WWE, electing himself to be, I guess, I, I don't know, involved as the head of the company, whatever, and including George Barrios, Barrios, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, and Michelle Wilson as directors, electing them as the directors of the company. Now, if those names sound familiar, it's because they were previously in those roles three years ago. And from what I understand, without knowing too much about WWE on the business side of things, they were very instrumental in the rise of the WWE Network in the last 8-10 years, among many other things that WWE has done uh, in furthering that line of 
you know, media and putting themselves in a better position and really boosting the stock to where it was before they left. They were very instrumental and a very positive force as far as that sort of stuff goes. And they were let go. Uh, nothing really else came out about that at the time because COVID happened and our focus kind of shifted from that. But they were already gone from WWE and it wasn't great news at the time. Doesn't sound like, like, here's the thing. I, I've heard this a lot as far as Vince didn't want this person to go and he was upset this person got released or left or whatever. And the narrative is that he couldn't do anything about it. You know, I go back to the William Regal news. I go back to Gallows and Anderson to where I think Gallows and Anderson, when they were let go, you know, three years ago, they were upset at Paul Heyman. That was the whole thing at the time. They were upset at Paul Heyman for really playing a big role in them getting released. But apparently, I, I guess they kind of uh, didn't give as much blame to Vince, even though Vince is the one that makes all the fucking decisions. Even if it was someone on the lower level of things, like a John Laurinaitis or a Heyman or whoever, Vince didn't stop them from getting released. Same thing with William Regal. William Regal kind of, I mean, if he's on good terms with Regal and they like each other as people and whatever, and, you know, Regal kind of implied in that interview he did with uh, Inside the Ropes a couple of months ago that it wasn't Vince's call to let Regal go. It was someone else's call who's no longer there, presumably John Laurinaitis, if not someone else. Uh, Vince signs all the checks, though. He was the go-to guy for everything in WWE. Even if he's not telling Laurinaitis or whoever, hey, get rid of Regal, he's still the one that can veto that decision. I mean, the guy has had so much fucking power at the time. If he didn't want to let Regal or anyone else go, he didn't fucking have to. So I don't buy that shit for a second. Same thing with Barrios and Wilson. You know, they left on their own terms, which I don't think was the case. I think they were let go, per Vince, and now he's recruiting them to come back to help with the stock, not the stock, but the TV rights negotiation deals and shit like that. Give me a fucking break. So the most troubling part of all of this in the article, there's a couple of quotes from Vince himself talking about Barrios and Wilson and whatever. This was the quote that really got me. I mean, this was just incredible. Uh, it's in the article in the Wall Street Journal, like I said. And he says, and I quote, WWE is entering a critical juncture in its history with the upcoming media rights negotiations coinciding with increased industry-wide demand for quality content in live events and with more companies seeking to own the intellectual property, a property on their platforms, excuse me, said Mr. McMahon. The only way for WWE to fully capitalize on this opportunity is for me to return as executive chairman and support the management team in the negotiations for our media rights and to combine that with a review of strategic alternatives. My return will allow WWE... I can't even get this through this, reading this without laughing, but he says, My return will allow WWE, as well as any transaction counterparties, to engage in these processes, knowing they will have the support of the controlling shareholder. So basically what he's saying is, is that WWE can't sell without him, and if they do, it's his decision. And basically what he is saying is that WWE cannot thrive, even survive without him. Even though that's exactly what they've fucking done for the last six months. Here's my thing. WWE has proven in the last six months since Vince stepped down, you know, retired, whatever word you want to throw out, he was basically forced out because they realized it was a bad look to have this guy in... And it wasn't just what he did, which was disgusting, and all the allegations, and just being a sex pest in general. Um, the fact that he was having these women sign a lot of NDAs, not even the fact that he did or didn't use company money, which was also a big problem. But you can't have someone like that in charge of a company 
For over the course of 20 years, this shit was happening and was swept under the rug. It's not a good look. Not in addition to the fact the company, I mean, creatively hasn't really thrived in a very long time. I mean, shareholders don't really give a shit about that sort of stuff. As long as the company's making money, they don't give a fuck. But the fact of the matter is this. There was all this talk among certain people at the time. I'm not talking like fans or like media people. There were rumors from officials at the top that were close to Vince, of course. And even people close to Vince per Fightful Select said a couple of weeks ago, we don't want Vince back. I have not read a single fucking report from any of these websites, from anyone that works there, from anyone that works behind the scenes, anyone that used to work there, saying that Vince would be welcomed back with open, heart, with open arms behind the scenes. I know I'm going off track here, but what I was trying to say was before I went off track was the fact that WWE has shown in the last six months without Vince that they are perfectly fine without him. He wants to send the narrative. And again, he tried to stir the pot when he first left that they can't survive without Vince McMahon at the helm, which is complete and utter bullshit when you consider that's exactly what has happened in the last six months without Vince. They have survived. They have thrived. Ratings for SmackDown specifically have gone up. Stock has either remained the same, if not gone up. There has been no, I mean, WWE will never be perfect. Their decisions they make, and business-wise, there will always be things they need to work on. But it's not as if the company is in such drastically bad shape that they need to go crawling back to a fucking 77-I-think-year-old man and Vince McMahon to fix their woes. He's the answer to all their issues, which is the farthest thing from the truth. Speaking solely as a fan from the creative standpoint, the product has absolutely improved on all fronts without Triple or I'm sorry, without Vince involved and Triple H in that spot instead. Is Raw infinitely better without Vince? Not infinitely, I mean it was originally. The show has improved though. You can't tell me the show is as bad now, if not worse, than from when Vince was in charge six months ago. That's just not true. SmackDown's a much better show. They made a lot of positive changes, bringing people back giving them second chances, rehiring William Regal, people like that. Not every hire is going to be a winner, but by and large, Triple H is making the decisions that are best for the future of the WWE. Vince is not. He is simply serving his own ego. I mean, I think you could fucking... It's, it's, it's obvious. I mean, you just look at anything, and it's pretty obvious what is going on here. He knows that WWE is doing perfectly fine without him, and that eats him up inside. He knows that come the next... TV rights deal, negotiations, whatever, that he's not involved in, and if WWE gets as good of a deal, if not a better deal, which they're bound to, um, with NBC or Fox or another third party, or they sell to someone else, like a Disney or an NBC, most likely, or a Fox or whatever, and they make a lot of money off that, it's seen as a big positive change, Vince will not have been involved in that, and he can't take credit for it. That's going to bother him. And all this bullshit that they included in the article or that he said himself, I don't intend to change anything on the management team. I will let them do as they've already done. All this fucking crap. I mean, nothing that we have seen from Vince would lead us to believe that he's telling the truth. Who's to say that Vince comes back and then doesn't let go of all the people he let go a year ago? If WWE had budget cut issues a year ago and they had to let go of all of that talent then, and nothing, again, has drastically changed with the amount of money that WWE is making. I mean, COVID was the thing two year, three years ago. It still is, obviously. But even then, three years ago, did they have to let go as much talent as they did? No, they could afford to pay all of their talent. All the other companies, for the most part, did. AEW, for the most part, did not let anyone go. Different company, I understand. 
they didn't have to let a lot of those people go. Some of those people didn't really make much of a difference anyway if they let them go or kept them or whatever. I get that. But they were still letting people go throughout 2021 and even early on in 2022. You can't say those were budget cut issues. That was simply a case of WWE or specifically Vince wanting to get rid of people because he woke up one day and thought they were no use to him. Even though the day before he was super high on him. The guy is as inconsistent as the fucking weather. I mean, it's incredible how this man works. And again, it really shouldn't be surprising to read something like that and think that he wants back in. And we were all kind of like joking about it a couple of weeks ago, thinking that would be, you know, awful. And it is. Not thinking that there's anything that can really be done to make that happen. I honestly, sitting here right now without really reading very too much into it, it's only been a couple of hours since the news broke, since the article came out and whatever, without really looking into what other people have to say that have more information on the matter than I do, I don't know how realistic this is. If I had to take a guess, will Vince McMahon be back in WWE in 2023? I would have to say probably not. Uh, Could he be? Yeah, absolutely there's a chance. But I feel like the board of directors would be beyond dumb to think that bringing back Vince would be a positive move for them. And as other people have said, Sean Ross Sapp, among other people, I I agree, I honestly think bringing back Vince, which would be a bad decision all around anyway, would probably more so hurt their chances of getting as good, if not a better TV deal with NBC or Fox or whatever, um, than it would help them. And that, to me, I feel like, again, that's merely a belief. That's not a fact. But I can't imagine bringing back someone as problematic as Vince McMahon and all the shit that's come out in the last year, in addition to WWE proving they can survive on their own without him, and putting a 77-year-old man back in charge, is anywhere near a good move. So, all we can do is hope. I, I, I mean, this obviously isn't just talk. Vince literally put out a fucking press release indicating... That he wants back in. And the whole thing is just weird. Reading this you know, paragraph after the one I read earlier about his quote, right after that it says, uh, Prior to delivering written consent, Mr. McMahon sent two separate letters. It's like this guy's like a jilted ex-fucking boyfriend or something. It's hysterical. Mr. McMahon sent two separate letters to the board in late December in which he expressed the urgency of his return to the company as executive chairman and his desire to work collaboratively with the board and management team. (laughs) I could just see Triple H on his phone, seeing Vince pop up on the fucking caller ID and him just pressing decline. I mean, it's hysterical how this whole thing has folded. I mean, the fact they would even put that in the article, I mean, I I assume that's the press release and not the article that came out from the... Uh, the Wall Street Business Journal, I think that's what they put out there. I I think Vince put that information out there himself, which makes him look just awful. The fact that he wrote the board, do you need me back? And they haven't exactly gone back to him, I guess. So it goes on to say, uh, following conversations with representatives of the company, both before and after Mr. McMahon's most recent letter on December 31st, Mr. McMahon determined, consistent with his rights as controlling shareholder, Um, that the steps announced today are necessary to maximize value for all WWE shareholders. I mean, the man realized that in the five months, now six, going on six months, that he was home doing fucking nothing, quote-unquote retired, people thinking that he, I mean, technically, did he actually ever leave? No, because he still owns a lot of share and stock and stuff like that, whatever. He's still very much involved on that front. But people thinking that he was still writing the show and still very much involved in the writing of Raw... Take your tinfoil hats off. That's ridiculous to even speculate. 
Give me a break. Obviously, he's still very much involved in the company on a certain front. No one's denying that. He would have to be a moron to not realize that. But as far as being still the chairman, still calling the shots, you're telling me that he stepped down and he didn't actually step down and Triple H was in charge, but merely just to look like Triple H was in charge and Vince was the one that brought back Hit Row. He brought back William Regal. Again, give me a fucking break. But he must have realized in the five months that he was gone from WWE, he has no life without it. He, he refuses to have a life without WWE. He can't go out and golf. He can't go out and take up a hobby. He can't take a fucking vacation. The man can't sleep for four consistent hours without thinking about WWE and what his next move is and, and, and where he goes from here and all this other sort of shit and making this decision and making that decision, a decision he'll probably go back on a day from now. He has no life outside of WWE. I, I said at the time and I joked, I would love to see a documentary, not on the nine lives of Vince McMahon, that was just a waste of time, a documentary on what Vince is doing now. Vince would never allow it. The man would show no vulnerability. But I would love to see what Vince has been doing in his free time, like just waking up every morning at 2 o'clock in the morning, opening up his computer, looking up news about himself and seeing how he can get back in, typing up a letter on Microsoft Word, sending it into WWE, <laughs> them not getting back to him, trying to call Paul Levesque up, Triple H, hey... I think you should uh, maybe cut Theory's name back to just Theory. Austin Theory can get confused. And then Triple H just hangs up. He's like, oh, no, I'm busy. Vince is like, no, listen, pal, I got a couple ideas. And then Triple H just hangs up. It's it's comical. We laugh. I laugh now, but it's not comical. It's just sad. It's just sad that Vince would want to bring the company down with him to service his own fucking ego. That's really all this is. At the end of the day... It's not about helping WWE. It's not about helping the management team. It's not about securing better TV rights for Raw and SmackDown and whatever. It's about bettering the future of Vince McMahon. Them using him to get better TV rights, first of all, they don't need him for that. They have enough people in place to figure that shit out. And listen, if they were to do that whole process and and they fail, and Raw and SmackDown end up worse off than they were previously as far as the TV rights are concerned, then, only then, maybe you can consider, which even then I wouldn't do this, but even then you can consider, hey, let's maybe consult Vince McMahon on the matter. To think he has to be involved, just because he always has been, and obviously wants to, just because he wants control, and he can't muster the thought, he, he, he can't imagine a, a day like today where he doesn't have the control he once did, it bothers him. It eats him up inside. Well, listen, Vince, that's a you problem. Go the fuck away, stay home, catch up on a TV show, watch The Sopranos, enjoy life. We don't know how many days this guy has left. I would never, ever say this person should die or whatever. I thought the scenario with Vince was honestly best case scenario because we never thought Vince would ever go away as the head of WWE. It would take the man dying in gorilla for that to happen. But guess what? He didn't die. He didn't die. And he got to step down, not exactly with grace, with all the stuff that was surrounding him at the time, the controversies and the allegations. But listen, I would prefer that as for all that Vince has done for WWE and wrestling, making it what it is today, that doesn't mean he should still be in charge of the company. But at least him stepping down at all, whether he was forced out or not, which I absolutely believe, uh, as opposed to him saying, you know what, I just want to retire, give me a fucking break. Um, at least that was better than him dying at 77 or 80 or 85 or whatever. It's best case scenario. The guy gets to live, and he's not in charge of the company anymore. But 
Unfortunately, the consequences of him still being around is that he, he won't he won't let it rest. Vince McMahon will always be involved, attempt to be involved in WWE one way or another until the day that he dies, which hopefully will not come anytime soon. But it really comes off to me, as I said earlier, like a jilted ex-boyfriend situation. He can't stand to see his ex-girlfriend, wife, which I guess would now be Linda, even though they're not technically divorced in that whole messy situation. He can't stand to see the company doing just as well, if not far better, which it is, without him in charge. Because he's been so involved for so long, he thought that he is WWE. It's not about WWE, it's about Vince McMahon being WWE. And they are better off without him. He's using this TV rights bullshit as an excuse to get back in charge of the company. And I sure as fuck hope it doesn't happen. WWE would absolutely be worse off with Vince back in any sort of capacity. And based off all the reports I saw from all these different outlets and whatnot, indicating that everyone in the company, maybe not everyone, but a majority of the company, talent, people working behind the scenes, even higher-ups, people even people close to Vince when this whole thing happened last year don't want him back, that should tell you all you need to know about what's going on here. So, with that aside, we move on. Uh, quick note here, which I was going to open up with earlier before the Vince McMahon news broke. Money in the Bank headed to London this year on July 1st. Uh, very exciting news. Obviously, it does confirm that you know they're not doing the Money in the Bank ladder matches at WrestleMania, which is fine. Um, I kind of figured that would be the case, and we would get a men's match on one night and a women's match on the other. We're not getting that. Uh, we are just getting the pay-per-view this year. That's totally fine with me. And if we're getting the pay-per-view, and I hope they treat it like a big deal, and they don't abuse the briefcase as they have in years past, and they don't have the female Money in the Bank winner, you know, cash in within twenty, cash in within twenty-four hours again, as they have for the last four or five years, um, you know, I, the, the fact that they're doing that in London is pretty fucking cool. And the first thing I thought of was like, oh, like who can they have win it in London? Like I'm thinking, I know we're so far removed from this actually happening, but. And this probably isn't a popular opinion, but I can imagine like Nick Aldis coming into WWE and the idea of him competing for a world championship might be comical to many. And I completely understand that. To me, I think he's good enough to thrive in a main event level in WWE. Um, he would have to be signed first. I've heard no report whatsoever of WWE even being remote, excuse me, being remotely interested in Nick Aldis. But him coming in, winning the briefcase in London would be pretty fucking cool. It doesn't have to be a UK talent, but that would be pretty sweet. So yeah, I was very excited to hear that news, that uh, Money in the Bank is headed to London this year for the O2 Arena specifically. Already feeling bigger than SummerSlam. SummerSlam is going to be, I think, in August again. Last year, for the first time ever and only time ever, hopefully, it was in July. Albeit on July 30th, but it was still in July. It just felt weird. We had no major WWE shows in October, or rather in August. Um, hopefully SummerSlam is back in August this year. But I think it's going to be in Detroit. So to go from London to Detroit for SummerSlam... Not exactly ideal. Um, I would love to go to London over Detroit personally. I'll probably end up going to SummerSlam. London is quite the trip, but um, I've been there before twice. It is uh, quite the fun time. So for Money in the Bank, that's going to be pretty cool. Speaking of WWE, while we're on the topic, let's discuss quickly Raw from Money, the first Raw of 2023. Not doing a full-fledged review here because it wasn't really an overly eventful show. We did have two title matches. Uh, both of which, the first one was fine, the second one was great. That was far and away the best thing on the entire show from an in-ring standpoint. Uh, Bianca Belair and Alexa Bliss for the Raw Women's Championship as a match was okay. Loved the nod, which I didn't get immediately. Um, it looked familiar, and then I saw several tweets about it and people talking about it and podcasts and whatnot. 
that they were doing a tribute to that scene, I think from the first Scary Movie movie, if not the second one or the third, I don't remember, but I think it's the first one. They had that one exchange, if you saw it in the match, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you've seen Scary Movie, you know what I'm talking about. With uh, Alexa and Bianca, I thought that was great. The rest of the match was okay. Uh, I assume they're building to a rematch of the Royal Rumble, hence the non-finish. The execution of the non-finish was lame. I wasn't expecting a decisive winner here, so I thought that was okay. Um, Bianca technically won by DQ. I mean, she did win by DQ per WWE.com. They didn't ring the bell because Bliss knocked out the referee, so we never got that official call from the referee. But Alexa went nuts. She saw people wearing Uncle Howdy masks at ringside, and she went off on Bianca. DDT'd her like two or three times in the ring steps at ringside, and this... Uh, such a nice home state crowd for Bianca. She's not from Nashville, but she is from, um, God, where is she from? They were in Nashville on Monday. Knoxville. She's from Knoxville. They fucking said one more time to Alexa. They chanted one more time at Alexa after Alexa already attacked Bianca twice. What, what welcoming home state fans for Bianca Belair. But uh, the match was okay. The storyline's fine. And I'm, I've said this before. I really just want Alexa Bliss to go back to being a heel. But not this crazy, you know, not not a crazy character. What we have with Nikki Cross is a crazy character. She would be evil Alexa in this case. I don't want evil Alexa back. She played the role really well. It served its purpose. She played that role for long enough. Just have her go back to being Little Miss Bliss that she was in NXT and on the main roster and stuff like that. There's no real reason to have her back doing the evil Alexa stuff, especially with Bray Wyatt. Bray doesn't need her. She doesn't need him. Turner heel, she's been stale as a babyface for the better part of the year. I mean, I'm thinking last year, better part of 2022. Uh, we're now in 2023, I have to remind myself of that. Um, just turn her heel and have that be it. None of this evil Alexa crap, I don't know where it's going. I just hope Bianca retains the title, come the Rumble, and we can move on. Uh, it is a fresh feud, I'm all for this, but... You know, this, this whole, like, oh, I'm evil, and I just... It was pretty fucking bad when they did it the last time. Would it be better under Triple H? Maybe. I I just hope they tone down the Supernatural stuff because the execution of it usually isn't overly good. Oh, we had a Music City showdown between Solo Sokoa and Elias. This was actually pretty entertaining. I actually really liked this. More competitive than it needed to be. Elias should not be competitive with fucking Solo Sokoa who should really just dominate Elias realistically. Um, but they wanted to make it a little bit longer so they can utilize the stipulation. I get it. It was entertaining. They made good use of the weapons around ringside. It was basically a Symphony of Destruction match with a different name. The Elias Specialty. And Solo winning in the end uh, via, I think it's the um, the Spinning Solo or whatever he calls it. His finisher, the, uh, the Side Slam-esque finisher. He hit it on the piano at ringside. And it looked sickening. That was a nasty bump. Props to Elias for taking that. But a win for Solo there. Uh, this all came, by the way, after the Bloodline once again invaded Raw, and Adam Pearce had enough of it. The Raw superstars brawled with them. All the people they attacked on Raw a couple of weeks ago were back here to brawl with uh, the Bloodline. So Solo won his match. Sami Zayn and the Usos defeated Kevin Owens and the Street Profits. Entertaining match. Didn't exactly accomplish anything, but it was fun for what it was, I guess. Uh, so we had that. We also saw a quick snippet backstage... I forgot who was walking backstage, but you could clearly see Adam Pierce talking with um, MVP, Shelton Benjamin, and Cedric Alexander. Kind of going off what we saw from MVP and Pierce a couple of weeks ago. Lashley quit or got fired from Raw three or four weeks ago. We haven't seen him since. 
Uh, I, I assume he'll be back either in the Rumble or soon, maybe after the Rumble, to resume his rivalry with Brock Lesnar. Um, but yeah, the, the whole idea of the Hurt Business reunion, I'm into. There was no real reason to break them up when they did. They had a soft reunion in late 2021. That wasn't exactly a reunion. Cedric and Shelton got back together, but not Lashley and MVP. It was kind of messy. Just put them all right back together. I have no issue with that whatsoever. The real highlight of the night, like I mentioned, was the main event for the United States Championship. Austin Theory versus Seth freaking Rollins. Uh, great match, as you would only expect from these two. Really good pace. Ton of time. Theory did win in, you know, not fluky fashion, but he cheated the win. I was perfectly fine with that. They, they protected Rollins in defeat and set up the need for a potential rematch, either at the Rumble or on a Raw before the Rumble. Um, that's totally fine with me if they want to drag this out a little bit longer before both guys move, ideally, in a different direction for WrestleMania. But a great match. And the only other highlight from Raw, it was a pretty team show for their first show of the year. Uh, that was disappointing. But other than the main event, I really liked the inside look at Cody Rhodes' road to recovery. I thought that was great. Now, we didn't see the actual road to recovery, but the video package did uh, kind of encompass his entire return to WWE last year. From his return at WrestleMania, beating Rollins, beating Rollins again inside Hell in the Cell with a broken, you know, peck in that Cell match. One of, if not the best match for WWE in 2022. Uh, I assume the next part, and it said to be continued, will cover his road to recovery. Now we have, I think, three Raws left. And by the way, the fact that we are, like, what, two weeks away from the 30th anniversary of Raw, and they either haven't acknowledged it, they haven't promoted anything is embarrassing. I mean, they went all out for Raw 1000. The 20-year anniversary show, they didn't do shit for, but the 25-year show, they did. 25 years of Raw, they they did put together quite a fun show. Uh, for the 30th anniversary, it seems like they don't have that same energy. They do want to focus on the Rumble, but even then, no one has declared for the Royal Rumble except for fucking Kofi Kingston like a month ago. We're having a qualifying match on Friday with Ricochet and Top Dollar. That's about it. So I guess the other 29 uh, spots or 28 spots are going to be empty this year, apparently. Uh, no real talk of the Rumble, which is odd, considering the pay-per-view is coming up in a couple of weeks. It's coming up quickly. But uh, yeah, we have, I think, three Raws left, January 9th, the 16th, and the 23rd. I think the 23rd is the 30th anniversary of Raw show, if I'm not mistaken. So, they have some time for more Cody Rhodes video packages. But my guess is that this is going to culminate in him announcing his entry into the Royal Rumble match, as it should. Really as it should. Uh, obviously, they can have him be back in the match, return, be a surprise. But this is very much like when Triple H came back from his injury from 01 in 2002. Came out of the guard. I mean, honestly, he might be back on the Raw before the Rumble. This was very, not similar, but they did something similar to a certain extent with Edge two years ago. He was out for the second half of 20, 2020 with an, with an injury. And he randomly surfaced on the final Raw of, uh, you know, right before the Rumble two years ago, said, I'm going to be in the Rumble this year, and then entered the Rumble and won the whole thing. This is a little bit better because they're covering his road to recovery. We're going to, we've been hearing from Cody. He was on Raw, the, the best of show, talking about what his plans are for 2023. So they've already kind of teased that Cody could be back before the Rumble. Uh, him being in the Rumble would make for a great reaction if it wasn't advertised, but Honestly, people expect him to be in there anyway. You might as well just advertise it. Make it more interesting. There's not a lot of other people that people expect to win beyond Cody. Have him in there. Maybe he comes out at one or two or an early number and he wins it from there. Uh, that's what I would do personally. 
So I think it's going to be smart. I think it would be smart to announce them ahead of time. That's where these video packages are going. If they want to have them on Raw before then, and, you know, a la Triple H in 2002, that's fine too. I think that works just as well. As long as he wins the whole thing, because I think WWE's end date for when, um, you know, for when he they have to find out whether The Rock can work WrestleMania is either up or it's coming up. I'm not... Why the fuck they would wait this long, I'm not really sure. They kind of have to figure this stuff out now, because Rock appearing or not appearing, to face Roman Reigns at WrestleMania is pretty crucial, because it affects the entire card if he's not there. Like, a lot of matches, as far as what Cody's doing, and Drew, Seth, among other people, Roman himself. So, I, I, I think we're getting Roman and Cody. That's the match that makes the most sense. That's what they should do. So... I would have him back on Raw before the Rumble or just continue to do the video packages in the last one on the final Raw. Uh, before the Rumble, he says, I'm in the Rumble. And then he enters the Rumble and he wins the whole thing. That's what I would do. Uh, before we get to Dynamite, the first Dynamite of the year, I uh, do want to give some quick thoughts on Wrestle Kingdom 17, a very good show. As you guys probably know, I don't avidly follow regularly um, New Japan. I do watch Wrestle Kingdom every year. I've watched it in full... I want to say for the last three years, they watched it this year, last year, and the year before. I don't think I watched it in 2020. I don't remember if I watched it in 2019. In 2018, I did, at least the key matches. Uh, 2016, I didn't watch it. I watched it in 2015. In 2017, I think either I watched the whole show or the key matches again. So I've, I've tried to keep up with Wrestle Kingdom. It typically is their best show of the year. So if there's any New Japan show I'm going to watch, it's probably this one. And overall, it was a really good show. A long show, but a good show. Uh, no Night 2 the day after this year. They had New Year's New Year Dash, I think they call it, on uh, January 5th earlier this morning. Uh, I guess it would have technically been tonight, uh, Japan time, but yeah, they already had that. They do technically have a Night 2 of Wrestle Kingdom, but it's not for another couple of weeks. So on the show, among the highlights, Yoshihashi and Hiroko, uh, Hiroki Goto, excuse me, defeating FTR for the IWGP Tag Team titles. FTR are no longer champions in any promotion. They lost the AAA Tag Team titles a week ago. They lost the Ring of Honor Tag Team titles at Final Battle. And they lost the IWGP Tag Team titles here. And they also failed to win the AEW World Tag Team titles about a month ago on Dynamite. So, to me, it looks like they're on their way out of AEW. Maybe won't immediately sign a WWE. They could be back there at some point. Wouldn't be opposed to it, personally. Uh, Triple H would probably push them, I would have to assume, given his ties to them in NXT. Um, but I assume they're on their way out because they've been losing a lot lately, including to the guns a couple of weeks ago. So I wouldn't do that unless they were on their way out. I guess they could be telling a story that they're on a losing streak, but I don't know if I would necessarily do that with one of the greatest tag teams in the entire world, if not the top tag team in the entire world. Uh, Tama Tonga beating Carl Anderson from WWE to win the never open way championship. The most obvious outcome in the entire show, but it was a really good match. Anderson showed up, he showed out, no Luke Gallows, no Doc Gallows, whatever. Uh, he did not make the trip to Japan. And uh, they went in there and had a really good match. Probably the last major singles match that Carl Anderson's going to have for a very long time. Because I don't see him and Doc Gallows, uh, him and Gallows doing anything of note really in WWE. Specifically, Anderson on his own. But this was a good match though. Kazuchika Okada defeating Jay White to win the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship for, what, the seventh time? Technically, that title for the second time, but I think he's like a seven, eight-time world champion in New Japan. I apologize if I mispronounce Okada's first name. I always do a terrible job of that, but another really good match. These two never disappoint. I was there for the G1 Supercard match four years ago at MSG. This was equally entertaining. The real match of the night, though, Kenny Omega defeating Will Ospreay in what was definitely a dream match. 
to win the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. I thought there was no fucking chance that Osprey would lose here. He already lost to Omega in that six-man tag team match on Dynamite a couple of months ago in the trios tournament. You figure, okay, he loses here. He gets his win back on his own turf uh, when they do the match at Wrestle Kingdom, which was kind of in jeopardy for a little while because Anderson, or not Anderson, I'm sorry. I was looking at my notes here from uh, the Never Openweight Championship match. Omega was suspended, obviously, coming out of All Out through full gear, and I figured that would put the match in jeopardy. Thankfully, we did get it, and the match delivered. It was far and away the best match in the entire show. They snatched up that match of the year candidate pretty early. It's going to be tough to top that one. Uh, fantastic match, storytelling, chemistry, everything was awesome. Really good match. With a surprising outcome, Will Ospreay no longer the IWGP United States Heavyweight Champion. Uh, I assume they do a rematch. Omega... I mean, it honestly is pretty smart in retrospect. I figured Osprey would win. That would be the end of it. But it looks like New Japan wants to do more with Omega. Now, I don't see... I don't know how many times he's going to appear in New Japan going forward. Like, actually, Japan. But they have a couple of U.S. dates coming up this year. And that was the whole point initially, five years ago. Omega was the inaugural U.S. champion for New Japan with the idea that he could defend the championship on the, you know, in the States on U.S. territories and whatnot. And uh, hopefully bring in a bigger crowd for those shows. So that's what the plan is here. I know they have a uh, that California show, I want to say in San Jose, for next month, which is where we're going to get another match I'll talk about in a moment. But uh, it would make sense to have Omega as the U.S. champion for New Japan, defending that championship here in the U.S., in between the AEW stuff. So I think it's actually a pretty good idea. Under the idea, though, I will say, I mean, AEW having... Omega beat Osprey is questionable, unless the outcome is to have Osprey... I mean, for all the talk that Osprey isn't as good as Omega, and Omega beat him a couple of months ago already, they need to have Omega lose the championship back to Osprey, either at Forbidden Door 2 or at a New Japan show down the road. I don't know if they can wait a whole year until Wrestle Kingdom, you know, next year. Probably in the summer, I would have to imagine, they'll have the rematch either for AEW or in New Japan. And Osprey wins the belt back there. New Japan has, you know, they're notorious for having people avenge losses, getting their wins back. They do this all the time. We saw we saw it here with Okada and Jay White. Jay White beat Okada for the World Championship last summer. It was pretty obvious after Okada won the G1 that it was going to be Okada versus Jay White at Wrestle Kingdom and Okada getting the belt back, back rather, which is exactly what happened. So, anyway, great match, though. Uh, what got everyone talking from the show, in addition to Omega and Osprey stealing the show was the debut, as we all expected, of the former Sasha Banks, now officially a free agent, now going as Mercedes Monet. And honestly, I don't mind the name. I actually like the name. Um, you know, she's got the whole money gimmick and whatnot. She dyed her hair. She's got, like, a different haircut now. She looks like a star. Um, you know, I will give her that much. People will eat up anything Sasha's involved in, specifically her fan base and whatnot, which is great. So if she introduces new fans to the New Japan product or stardom or whatever, that's pretty fucking cool. I don't really watch New Japan regularly. I will watch whatever match she's in, though. So I'm among those people. I already know how New Japan, how, how good New Japan is. I don't really watch stardom, but I've heard how great they are as well. Um, but anyway, I actually like the name Mercedes Monet. Her first name is Mercedes. And I thought they had trademarked or attempted to, uh, to trademark a couple of months ago, excuse me, uh, Sasha Monet. But I would just keep the two separate, Sasha Banks and Mercedes Monet. And honestly, like I said, either last week or at, an, at some other point in the last couple of weeks, I do expect Sasha to be back. She'll create a bigger profile for herself outside of WWE, whether they want her back or not, which I'm sure they would. I mean, if she wanted, to, if she said, I want back in WWE, regardless of what offer she accepted, they would have her back in a heartbeat. I mean, don't even pretend like they don't. 
but she will go back at some point down the road. Some people have said maybe before the end of this year. I, I see it probably being either next year or the year after. I think it might be a little bit longer. But this does raise the question. I forgot to mention the most important part, by the way, before I get to the next part. But she did come out and challenge Kyrie, the former Kyrie Sane, for the IWGP Women's Championship. We're getting that match at the San Jose show I mentioned earlier next month. I think on February 18th, I want to say. Um, but yeah, so there's that. But what this means is that she could potentially be AEW bound as well. I don't think so. I think there's a very good chance that she is Soraya's partner next week in LA. Dynamite had a great show this week, and they have an equally stacked show set up for next week in the uh, in the forum, I believe it's called, the arena in Los Angeles. Their second time there after being there earlier in the summer for in 2022. I think it was coming out of Double or Nothing, but they'll be back there next week. Soraya needed a partner; it was a mystery partner for weeks. They announced on Dynamite last night that it would be Tony, but Cheetah was very evidently pissed that uh, it wasn't her. So it looks like it will be Sasha via Sheeta taking out Tony. Why Sasha would be in the building if she wasn't scheduled for a match, I'm not sure. <laughs> like, how would she know to team with Soraya? Maybe she'd be in the building anyway from a kayfabe standpoint, uh, negotiating with Tony Khan, who knows? Uh, that would make sense, I guess. But regardless, I could see it absolutely being Mercedes. If they go with Tony, and I'm glad... It, it, honestly, it's a win-win. Because if it was a mystery partner and they, they had Tony come out as a mystery... No one would care, not because people don't like Tony, but because they were expecting Mercedes. So if they give them Tony as advertised, he didn't false advertise. But if they have Tony taken out and Mercedes fills in for her, the place is going to go nuts. So it very likely and very, very well could be Soraya and Mercedes taking on Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter next week on the show. Does Mercedes sign is the question. I don't think she does slash needs to. Um, she could do she could do both New Japan and Stardom and AEW all simultaneously. I'm not saying she'd be dumb to sign there, but I think she could just keep her options open. Like, what would the deal look like? Would she have to sign three years? I saw Meltzer say that, oh, if she doesn't want to sign three years, she doesn't want that commitment that she probably won't sign. I mean, didn't Soraya say not too long ago in an interview that Tony is very lenient with the uh, contracts and whatnot, and you can have a contract be as long or as short as you want it to be? So, I mean, I could see her working out a six-month, year-long deal. I could totally see that. If not, assuming she signs at all, which she very well could not, I don't think she needs to. So that is one thing to keep an eye on. But quickly, as we wind down here, as I mentioned, Dynamite on Wednesday was a great show. Ricky Starks and Chris Jericho opening the show hot with a great match. This crowd was fucking white hot. Shout out to John Ritland, who I know was there. Uh, It looked like he had a blast, based on what he said on Twitter. But uh, this match was really good. Ricky Starks going over clean. That baseball shot to Starks in the outside really made me think Jericho had it won. But Starks battled back. He won the match clean despite all the outside interference. Uh, he got at- attacked afterward with the action end ready. So clearly the feud's not over, and that's fine. But Starks won when it mattered most, which was key. Uh, speaking of big matches, next week it was announced we're getting John Moxley and Adam Page the rematch. Finally on Dynamite next Wednesday. Page will be cleared apparently by then. They didn't make it clear in their segment. But they announced it later on in the show, so that was a little weird. AEW World Tag Team title match. The Acclaimed successfully defending against Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. I was shocked to see Lethal and Jarrett win. And then it was a false finish because they cheated. Aubrey came out, reversed the finish. Match restarted, whatever. So Acclaimed retained. We're getting a rematch on uh, on Saturday, actually. On Friday on the Battle of the Belt show. They're doing it right after Rampage, which is a shitty time slot, but... None of these Battle of the Belt shows have really ever felt overly important, but 
you know, at least they're trying with that match uh, by doing the rematch. Hopefully, acclaimed win that as well. Uh, we're potentially getting a revolution in the main event. MJF and Brian Danielson in an Iron Man match for the AEW World Championship. Uh, MJF told Danielson after Danielson beat Tony Nese on Wednesday, if he can win all of his matches through the February 8th Dynamite for the next month, I guess, basically, he will earn himself an opportunity at the title at Revolution. Danielson's little caveat was that he could choose the stipulation. He kind of, you know, played mind games with MJF to get there, but he said that if he gets that match, he wants it to be an Iron Man match, which is awesome. We've seen Danielson in a lot of long matches in WWE, specifically in AEW as well. We know he can go. He's going to get a great match out of MJF. MJF does not need to be carried at all. The guy's great. I still laugh at the notion that even wrestlers in the company in kayfabe say, oh, MJF can't keep up and he can't have great matches, which is so fucking dumb because he's gone in there and have has had great matches, great wrestling matches. Look at the match with Moxley at full gear, the match with Punk at Revolution, which was more of a brawl, but specifically the match with Darby Allen. That match was all about proving that MJF can go on the ring. And I know he cheated the win. I guess I understand that whole thing. Oh, you can't win on your own. I get that idea. But the idea that he can't hold his own, that he can't wrestle... Um, as Danielson claimed here, is comical. Because his matches in the last year have proved otherwise, if not longer than that. Uh, speaking of great wrestling matches, Swerve Strickland beating A.R. Fox, a battle of the former Lucha Underground rivals in Dante Fox and Killshot, respectively. Great match there as a, a very fun sprint. And then in the main event, I did skip over a couple stuff, but again, I'm, I'm talking about the most important stuff here from Dynamite. Main event saw Darby Allen regain the AEW TNT Championship for the first time in almost two years, beating Samoa Joe in his home state of, uh, of Washington. I'm not sure if... Is Darby from Seattle, or is he just from Washington? I don't remember, but... Uh, crowd loved this. It was a really fun match. I don't know if it was as good as their original encounter a couple of weeks ago, but it was still very good. Um, I wouldn't have cut Joe's reign short already because he was doing amazing work in that role. Hopefully he doesn't completely disappear from TV. But, um, you know, listen, it gives Allen something to do. The crowd wanted it. They got it. And uh, he was a very fun TNT champion. He was a really good TNT champion for the six months he held that championship for. So him getting another run with it is perfectly fine by me. And that's going to do it, guys, for WrestleRant Radio here today for Thursday, January 5th, 2023. Appreciate you guys, as always, for checking out the show. We'll have another loaded show next week here. Mr. Marceau should be back by then to help me break down the world in wrestling, updates on the Vince stuff, and everything else going on at that point. So tune in then on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Pandora, Amazon Music, and Podbean. I think I already said Podbean, but you know where to find the show. Be sure to rate it, review it, subscribe to the show, and never miss a new episode every single Thursday. Have an awesome one, guys. I'm Graham G. Snappies. Happy New Year again, and I'll catch your ass down the road.